It's uh, my pleasure to, to join one of the uh, best in the business here on the airwaves. That's executive editor of Baseball America, J.J. Cooper. We're going to dive into it uh, quite a bit. But, J.J., you're in Denver right now. And for those uninitiated, uh, the Denver Post uh, reported late last night that four people were arrested at the Maven Hotel as uh, law enforcement officials feared a Las Vegas-style shooting there. They uh, removed 16 long guns, body armor, more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition, from a hotel room with a balcony that overlooks the downtown area. And, J.J., you're there in, in downtown Denver. What can you, you share with us about what you know and what you're hearing and maybe what the, the sentiment is among all the patrons for the All-Star game? So the crazy thing is, is Friday night I happened to be eating with uh, some other of the baseball America staff in a restaurant at the ground floor of that hotel. And we're sitting there, and I would look at this, Ford Expedition outside, and then the guy gets out in, you know, body armor and all that. I realize you, you, know, you see the police log says, okay, it's not just something random, but and then he pulls out a semi-automatic rifle and starts to head in, and then here come many, many more police with police dogs. We saw a wheeled uh, you know, field go in, many more in body armor, many more carrying, you know, semi-automatic rifles. You know, at least a SWAT team, if not more. And now the interesting part about it is, is, is that they just, uh, the waitress said, uh, you know, there's, we've heard that there was a drug bust upstairs. And so they just had us all, you know, we just all went about eating our dinner. And when we came out, we did notice that, uh, there was a, a road, a couple roads blocked off, but they just kind of, <laughs> they played it very low key that night. Um, Obviously, it's a frightening situation. You know, very glad as I sit here at the field that uh, that, that was uh, averted. But I, it, it, it's one of those things where I guess the best thing you can say about it is as far as the, the news and all this. I don't think it's necessarily. It's still just kind of trickling out here of, of kind of the news of it. I was talking to my Lyft driver on the way in, and he hadn't really heard about it yet. So I, I think it's not kind of as widespread out here, yeah, I think it's going to become like a bigger story probably today and tomorrow than it was last night and this morning. Wow. And uh, I believe that the, uh, as it turns out, the, the maid is the one that uh, saw something, said something, and perhaps uh, averted a, a very, very serious and, and potentially tragic situation. We don't want to, you know, put the the, the pieces together without knowing um, what we know from, from police. But just uh, what are you doing with the 16 long guns, a thousand rounds of ammunition in a balcony overlooking downtown with the uh, the all-star game here? Uh, about to get underway. Well, uh, I'm glad everything uh, transpired the way that it did. JJ, thanks for that uh, first-person testimonial as to what you saw there at the hotel, uh, the Maven Hotel. JJ Cooper with us, executive editor, Baseball America. Well, now I guess we turn to the the, the big night for the Pirates in particular. JJ at seven o'clock, picking first overall. Are you hearing? Is there a consensus as to whom the Pirates are are going to select out there in Denver right now? I don't think right now, as we are talking, that they're necessarily, again, there's no one knows for sure, but I don't even know if necessarily they know yet. And I, what I mean by that is, is that this is not a year where it's a clear number one prospect in the draft who's heads and shoulders above everyone else. We've had that a few years recently. Andy Rushman was a clear number one uh, a couple of years ago. I think Spencer Corpuson last year was a clear number one. That's not the case this year. This is much more of there are as many as seven players who have a plausible case to be to go 1-1. The name you keep hearing more than any other is Marcelo Meyer, uh, shortstop. 
high school system. And I, I, if I had to, our, we just put a new lock up and, and we have Marcelo Meyer going 1-1. But we can also note that it could be Meyer, it could be another high school shortstop with Lawler, it could be, uh, you know, Cleo Watson, another high school shortstop, it could be Louisville catcher Henry Davis, and it could be Vanderbilt right-handed Jack Leiter. That's a lot of possibilities. But when you say, well, why would a team have that many possibilities this close to draft time? Well, it actually makes a lot of sense. The, the MLB draft is one where you have a fixed amount that you can spend. And technically, you can spend more than that, but you lose many first-round picks in future years, and no one has ever done that since we've been in the district. So with that being the case, if you do have multiple players that you view as effectively similar or the same, then where you're like, okay, this is one, but this is one A and this is one B. If you can get one B or one C or one A at a lower price than the other ones, it's worth at least examining that because that will give you more money to spend on later picks, which means that you may be able to take a guy in the second round, the fourth round, the fifth round, whatever round it is, the 11th round, that you have saved some money to spend there where you can get, say, a, a, a higher price tag player who fell because of his price tag. So it does give you that, that option uh, to, to, uh, to kind of work through that, too. So that's why I think there is still a lot of uncertainty yet. J.J. Cooper, executive editor, Baseball America, joining us live from Denver on the heels of the draft coming up at 7 o'clock. So for a guy like Jack Leiter, uh, he, he, I guess a few months ago maybe, was the, the leader in the clubhouse. Why do you suppose he's fallen back in the pack a, a bit, J.J.? I mean, he's had a very good season. I don't want to make it sound like anything other than that, because he really has been quite good. Um, I just don't think that I, – I don't think he had that, that differentiator separating type season. He's a little homer-prone. Um, that is a concern. Uh, he doesn't give up any other hits on this. He just gives up a lot of home runs and strikes a lot of people out and doesn't give up a whole lot of other hits. He did miss a start, uh, not for the injury, but basically for – Rest in recovery, which is something again, I would describe as probably mildly concerning to your team. Um, but the other thing is, these initial shortstops are really good. This is not something where it's like Leiter fell back as much as teams really like Marcelo Meyer. Teams really like Jordan Lawler. Teams really like Khalil Watson. So that's part of this as well. J.J. Cooper with us live from Denver. J.J., uh, what do the three shortstop project to be? What are the comps there? So I think the easiest one is is that Marcelo Meyer gets compared a lot to Corey Seager, and there are some reasons for that. It's, it's a lefty bat. It's it's someone who there's a chance he ends up moving to third. There's also a chance he stays at short. There was a, there were a lot of people when when uh, when Corey Seager was drafted who thought that he was going to end up at third base, and here he is playing shortstop many many years later now. So that's the comparison for him. Khalil Watson's a little tougher one because he's five foot nine, but it's a really powerful and also speedy five foot nine, very athletic five foot nine, but he's a littler guy in some ways. Um, and, and then Jordan Waller is kind of more of the uh, smooth, definitely should be able to stay a shortstop, more hitter than power. The power was early in the season, the question was he's striking out too much. He stopped that completely in the second half of the high school season, but at the same time, he doesn't hit for as much impact power right now as the uh, as the uh, other, uh, especially when you compare him to Marcelo Meyer. 
What is Leiter's uh, projection? Does, is he a top end of the rotation guy, or does he project to be somebody that's a, a two or a three at the big league level? It, when you get to between one and two, it's really hard when you're talking about the draft because I, I'd have to go back to probably Stephen Strasburg before the last guy that you'd find in the draft that you really felt comfortable saying that's a that's a, probably a surefire one. And even in his case, he's had a lot of years where he hasn't been a one. There's been durability. Durability is a part of that, and that's so hard to project for uh, for a player in the draft. But he should be a he has a very much sense to be a front of the rotation starter. He gets the swings and misses on fastballs up in the zone. And it's a fastball that can touch 99, which that's something that teams obviously have always valued, but value even more right now than they did maybe years ago. And uh, especially that elevated fastball, he's a guy perfectly suited for what the game is right now. Now, the game keeps changing, and so does that mean he's perfectly suited for where the game will be in five years? That's a bigger question. But for what he is right now, like he's the, uh, the pitcher who checks the most boxes of anyone in this class. We're chatting with J.J. Cooper. Our conversation continues with Baseball America's executive editor. He is live in Denver. Final thing for you, J.J., uh, rounds 2 through 20, uh, soup to nuts. The strength of this draft overall, do we know uh, or have any idea how strong it is compared to some of the others because of the COVID factors? No, we have more uncertainty than we do in most years because of the COVID factors. Normally, with the, normally teams feel better about the college side than they do the high school side. And a lot of that is because you've had multiple years with these players, and they've also played against top competition in the summer with wood bats in the Cape Cod League, USA Baseball College National Team, things like that. None of that happened last year. So you take away that wood bat track record that usually you have for these uh, college players. You take away a season because last year they only played, in most cases, 15 16, 17 games before the season was shut down. And the college players didn't look at some of the high school players did. There were still a lot of showcase events for high school players. So the difference is, is that you get, you got more chances to see the high school players against top competition last summer than you did the college players. That adds a lot more uncertainty to that. So I'd say that there's more depth than like that top end. Like, again, you are missing that Rushman, that Bobby Witt, Jr., that C.J. Abrams last that we had a couple of years ago. But it's still a solid draft class, and I do think that this is the year where we'll see second, third, fourth round picks and really stand out and surprise because there's much as we had last year in the draft, there's less certainty than we have in any normal year. And the draft, let's be quite clear, this isn't like the MLB draft, the NBA draft, where you're talking about guys who immediately step into the big leagues. There's a lot more uncertainty already because you're talking about 18, 19, you know, 18, 21-year-olds who are, in many cases, three, four, even six, seven years away from being established big leaguers. So there's a lot of variables in between there. Well, J.J., appreciate your insights and your thoughts live from Denver, uh, and thanks so much for uh, that first-person testimonial that you're able to provide us, obviously, uh, with everything uh, transpiring um, with the uh, four arrests at that Maven Hotel. Stay safe, and we'll be uh, certainly looking for your terrific coverage of Baseball America, and we'll talk to you again soon. 